So today we're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about love. Um, and I want to begin with this great verse from Proverbs. Proverbs 19, verse 22, which says, What a person desires is unfailing love. What a person desires is unfailing love. So what that means is that love is what we desire most of all. More than wealth or power or comfort or achievement, we want to be fully known and fully loved. It's the deepest desire of all of our hearts. And maybe we don't feel like it is, but it is. So some days, when I'm having a bad day and I'm upset or disappointed about something, my wife will come to me and give me a big hug and say, I love you, John. And sometimes my children will come over and put their arms around me and say, we love you, Daddy. And they remind me that my Father in Heaven loves me with an eternal love. But I'm tempted to say, what good is that? (laughs) It doesn't fix my problem. It doesn't solve anything. What does love accomplish? But when I say that, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Because love doesn't need to accomplish anything. Love is the end and not the means. It's the goal. It's the purpose. It's the thing that deep down my heart most wants. So the Beatles were right not to care too much for money because money can't buy me love. And Bert Bacharach was right, that what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. He was right, even if he did end a sentence with a preposition. (laughs) But the kind of love the world needs now, the kind that we're all hungry for, is what Proverbs calls unfailing love. Unfailing love. Or another name for it is in the Jesus Storybook Bible where she writes, it's a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always and forever love. That's the kind of love that we need. That's unfailing love. And unfailing love has three parts, okay? It's unconditional, unafraid, and unchanging. Because unconditional means that my love for you doesn't fail because of you. Whatever you do or don't do, I'm still going to love you. Unafraid means that my love for you doesn't fail because of me. I won't shrink back because loving you is painful or scary and I can't handle it. And unchanging means that my love for you doesn't fail because of time. No matter how much time passes, it won't grow cold or stale. It's always the same and always reliable. So if we have those three parts, then it's unfailing love. It doesn't fail because of you or because of me or because of time. Okay, so it's unconditional, unafraid and unchanging. So that's the kind of love that I want to talk about today. We want it and we need it, so where do we find it? And I want to talk about three places where I think we do see unfailing love and we get to see what it looks like. And the first is in a mother's love for her child. So it's Mother's Day and I want to honour our mothers for their love. Nobody's perfect, but mothers tend to be better at this kind of love than anyone else. And they show us what it looks like. Then second, and unsurprisingly, that unfailing love comes down from God himself. That's what he is like. And third, the Holy Spirit wants to replicate that kind of same love in the church. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be drawing from our passage in Acts chapter 20 for the second and third points. So here up first, mothers. Mothers give us a powerful view of unfailing love. So today is Mother's Day. I love Mother's Day. It's a great and important day when we remember our mothers and all the good that they bring us. May we do that every day. 
but at least today. But I realise that Mother's Day can also be a painful day for many of us. Painful maybe because we've lost our mothers, or because they're very ill, or far away, or because we never really knew them at all. Or maybe they were a destructive influence in our lives for some reason. Or it's painful for women who are single and long to be married, or who are married and long to be mothers, or who are struggling as single mothers. Or it's painful for mothers whose hearts ache for their own children, who are terminally ill or lost in some way or very far away or in danger. So there's so many reasons that this can be a hard day. It can be painful um, to meet together today. And our pain isolates us from one another. But this doesn't need to be an isolating day. My hope is that we can come together and celebrate God's good design in making mothers whatever our own circumstances might be. Because in designing the way a mother loves her child, God did something very special. I said before that unfailing love is unconditional, unafraid, and unchanging. And I think mothers demonstrate this more than anyone else. I would say even more than fathers, and I speak as a father. A mother's love is unconditional because she never despises weakness in her children. She never despises weakness in her children. So I've noticed in watching many good mothers that their children's weakness doesn't drive them away. Instead, it brings them nearer. So when the child struggles with something, the mum comes alongside to help. And when he hurts himself, she quickly patches him up. And when he's sad about something, she rushes in to comfort him. And all without the implicit criticism of, why are you so weak and useless? Right? <laughs> so I think pretty much all of us would say, if we grew up in a home with both parents, then whenever we were sad or hurt, it was mum that we wanted and not dad. And want mum more than dad. Mum would have all the comfort and the help that we were after with none of the impatience or judgment. And now that I am a father, I often find myself growing impatient and frustrated with my children's weaknesses. I have to force myself to be gentle and to try to behave like Sarah would. I stifle the questions of, how come you still can't do that for yourself? And what did you think you were doing running with the hammer? You see, I have to pretend to be as unconditionally loving as she is naturally. So a mother's love is unconditional because she never despises weakness in her child. It doesn't mean that she never wants her child to change, but it does mean that she can love her child before he changes. Next, her love is unafraid because she never closes her heart to protect it from grief. Loving people is scary because they might always betray you or let you down. And even if they don't, then they're going to die sooner or later. Loving people is scary because the world can be a horrible, awful place, and the person you love might suffer all manner of terrible things. And when love feels scary, we're all tempted to withdraw, to close up our hearts and protect them from the storm. We're tempted not to love too much or too freely. But it seems to me that as a general rule, mothers just can't do that. The moment a little baby emerges from her body, a mother's heart opens and it stays open. And her concern and her attention and her happiness is going to be tied to that little person for the rest of her life. It's a totally transformative event. 
And I've had first-time mothers share with me before the birth that they're worried that the heart change isn't going to happen. They're worried about their ability to really love their baby like that. They're worried that they won't bond. But in practice, I've never seen that mechanism fail. It's mysterious and miraculous. I've heard it said that after you're a mother, you can only be as happy as your least happy child. I know as a father that I love my children and I would give my life to protect them, but I can still withdraw from them emotionally if I need to. I can forget about them to focus on an important project at work or when they go on a trip out of town, and I can withdraw from their heartache to shield my own heart from their grief. I'm able to step back and stand at a distance, but I really don't think Sarah can do that. Her love is completely unafraid. She never stands back and always moves in. And third, a mother's love is unchanging because she never stops being for her child. You won't turn a mother against her own child, and woe betide you if you try. (laughs) As the child grows to adulthood and starts to make bad decisions, her heart doesn't change. She still hopes and imagines and prays and advises for good, for flourishing, that the child should be free even if she's a slave, and the child should live even if she dies. So God designed mothers to demonstrate a special kind of love, a love that's unconditional, unafraid, and unchanging. And so a mother who lives into this design becomes a model for everyone to see of the unfailing love that we're all hungry for. But not surprisingly, her love is a model of God's own love, and it comes from God, because God is like this too. He says in scripture that he's like a father, but he also says that he's like a mother like in the part of Isaiah that we read earlier, Isaiah 49, verse 14. Zion has said, the Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. And God responds, can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. So in order to show Israel the way he loves them, God compared his love to the most devoted love relationship on earth, a mother to her nursing child. And yet God says that his own love is even greater still. God's love for us is unconditional because he doesn't despise us for our weakness either. Psalm 103 verse 14 says, He knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. And Isaiah said of Jesus that a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. God is strong, but he doesn't despise weakness. Instead, he lifts up the bruised and broken and heals them. He rushes in to help us in our weakness. And he does it without any of the impatience or implicit criticism of an earthly father, but with the kindness and unconditional love of a mother. This quality of God that doesn't despise our weakness is what we mean when we talk about his grace. It's his undeserved kindness. And it's absolutely central to the message Christians want to bring the world about what God is like. That God is a God of grace. So pick up a Bible and let's turn to Acts chapter 20 on page 929. Acts chapter 20. This is the part that we uh, read earlier. And beginning in verse 17, Paul gathers together the pastors of the church he planted in Ephesus. 
to speak to them one last time. And Paul summarizes his whole ministry in Acts 20, verse 24, when he says, The ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And again, in verse 32, Paul calls his message the word of God's grace. The heart of his message was the grace of God, the unconditional loving kindness of God that sees our weakness but rushes toward it in compassion rather than running away from it in disgust. So just like a mother, God's love is unconditional. And like a mother, that doesn't mean God doesn't want us to change, but it means he can love us before we change. Also like a mother, God's love is unafraid. So his heart is open toward us and it stays open. However much pain and grief that might cause him, and it causes him a lot. Just like a nursing mother cannot forget her baby, God says he cannot forget his people. And instead of shielding himself from our pain and grief, he came down from heaven to join us in it. He plunged himself into our sorrow so that he could rescue us out of it. Isaiah said he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And Paul says to the Ephesian elders in verse 28 that they must care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. There's no fear in God's love for his people. There's no hiding or pain. There's no hiding from pain or grief. There's no self-preservation or self-protectiveness. God literally opened his own heart and spilled his blood to ransom his people from the grave and buy them back for himself. So his love is completely unafraid. And it's also unchanging. Like our earthly mothers, God's heart is unequivocally and eternally for us. Paul wrote to the Romans, if God is for us, who can stand against us? And Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations 3, verses 21 and 22, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So unsurprisingly, since God is love, he is the source and spring of the unfailing love for which our hearts thirst and hunger. A mother's love is an awesome, wonderful, miraculous, life-changing thing. And God's love is even better. But now third, the Holy Spirit wants to replicate that same kind of love in the church. And this is the part that's good news for those who are brokenhearted on Mother's Day, for whatever reason. Because it means that the unfailing kind of love you crave isn't limited on earth to families, but it's also found here, in God's family, the church, where you are welcome. If you've been here with us for the past several weeks as we've studied Acts, then you'll, you've heard how Paul travelled all over first century Turkey and Greece, planting brand new churches. And the churches Paul planted were characterised by love, by unfailing love. So Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that when he was among them, he was like a father and also like a mother. He wrote that like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. And then he also wrote a few verses earlier that we were gentle among you like a nursing mother 
taking care of her own children, affectionate and sharing with you not only the gospel but our own selves because you had become very dear to us. So Paul loved his churches like a father and like a mother with an exhortative, fatherly, kick-in-the-pants, love-you-forward kind of love and with a gentle, motherly, nurturing, heart-sharing kind of love. And both became part of the DNA of his new churches. So when he says goodbye to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, it's clear that Paul loved them. He loved them in an unfailing kind of way. He reminds them in verse 19 that among them he served the Lord with all humility and with tears. And again in verse 31 that for three years he did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. These Ephesians were foreigners strangers to Paul until he showed up in their city and yet his tears for them proved that he wasn't just checking a box with them. He genuinely loved them, running toward their weakness and not away from it out of a love that was unconditional. Then he reminds them how costly his ministry was in their midst. It hurt Paul to love them. In verse 19, he had to endure the plots of the Jews, plenty of resistance and persecution. And in verse 31, he worked hard night and day for three years for their sake. This is a love that's unafraid of pain and suffering and isn't self-protective. And after Paul had left Ephesus, he didn't stop thinking about them. It wasn't out of sight, out of mind. He continued to pray for them and to root for them. He came back on his way home to encourage them, and he wrote to them. He worked tirelessly and consistently for their good, warning them against dangers and praying for their safety. So his love was steadfast and unchanging. So Paul loved the Ephesian church he planted with an unfailing kind of love. And his love was returned by the leaders of that church. So it's moving to read in verse 37 that as they parted, there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. That's deep supernatural affection. And the Holy Spirit wants to produce this kind of love throughout the church. May it be so here and everywhere. So in light of what we've been learning about love this morning, I have three practical implications to share with you. Three fatherly, kick-in-the-pants, love-you-forward instructions, okay? So uh, the first is, stop looking for love in all the wrong places. You want love, and you need love, and the Bible affirms that love is the right thing for you to want. But your hunger for love can send you out looking for it in all kinds of bad places. Places that are never going to satisfy you. The love you want and need is unfailing love, right? It's this unconditional, unafraid, and unchanging kind of love. And it cannot be earned. And indeed, if you feel you need to earn it, then it's not unconditional. So what are you trying to do to earn people's love? Or earn God's love, for that matter. But earning people's love. Maybe you're stuck in a people-pleasing pattern as a way to earn love. Maybe you say yes to everybody and try to please everybody, whatever they want from you, good or bad, so that people will think well of you and love you. 
Or maybe you're working your way to love and earning love by your performance. You put in extra hours at work to win praise from your boss and colleagues, or you're struggling to create something beautiful that people will admire so that they'll love you. There's nothing wrong with hard work and excellence, but they can't buy you love any more than money can. Or maybe you're trying to earn love in a romantic relationship. You're hiding who you really are and pretending to be the person they want you to be. You feel you have to behave in a certain way or they're going to stop loving you and maybe they've even said as much. That's not a good relationship. And it's just a different way of trying to earn love. And any love that has to be earned isn't worth having. There will come a day when we won't be able to earn it anymore. We might be fit and strong and intelligent and funny and attractive now, but how long will any of that last? We need to be loved with a love that's unfailing. And the love we're really looking for is God's love. God's fatherly and motherly love. The love we never have to earn, that we can't earn. So if you feel this morning that you don't really know God, then it's time to know him. Because he alone can satisfy your hunger. And he alone shed his own blood to buy back your life. My second instruction is stop trying to love other people with a finite human love. Stop trying to love other people with a finite human love. Because as we've already seen, that isn't what they need. We all need the kind of love that none of us can generate. Not even mothers. So we're not the source of unfailing love. But we can be the channels of God's love to other people. And actually, we're good at that. We're made to do that. You're not a pump. You're a pipe. All right? You can't pump love out of your own heart. But you can carry it from one place to another. Carry it from God to people. So if we try to love our families, friends, and neighbors out of our own finite store, out of a sense of obligation to them of what we should be doing, then we're going to exhaust ourselves run out of love, and grow angry with the people we've been trying to love. It doesn't work because we're a pipe that's trying to be a pump. And it doesn't give anybody what they really need. But if we go to God first and ask him for his love for people, his heart for them, for what gift he wants to bring to them, and what word of life he wants to speak, then what we bring them will be living water. Because we're a pipe that's behaving like a pipe. Okay, last one. And my third instruction is the hardest. Stop holding back your heart from your brothers and sisters. We learn from our mothers and from God that unfailing love is unafraid. It's unafraid. And the Holy Spirit wants the church to be characterized by that kind of fearless love. But we confess that we're afraid. Afraid to open our hearts to people who are difficult or awkward or unlovely. Afraid of what it might cost us or afraid of being disappointed. But this is a point where Paul really challenges us because he gave himself to the people he served. He loved them. He opened his heart to them and he opened his life to them. He was willing for the cost to be high and the suffering great. And when we look at him, we see that he was a pipe full of God's love. It flowed freely and came gushing out of him. So as we look at his example, we need to stop letting fear hold us back from loving our brothers and sisters. Don't ask what it's going to cost, or how long it's going to take, or how far we'll have to go. 
Just love the person that God puts in front of you. Love in the fearless way a mother loves and open your hearts to one another.